Good evening, everyone. Good evening. And you too, Mr. Real. How are you doing? I'm doing great, RFM. Merry Christmas to you. Do you know what night it is? It is Christmas Eve. It is Christmas Eve, and we're sharing it together and with a bunch of our friends, both here in the studio as well as across this fruited plain and points east, west, north, and south. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. You put quite a cast together for tonight, and uh, I'm super excited to hear the cool stories that these folks have. Well, I just want you to know I was overwhelmed with the response I got from sending out requests for people realizing it's Christmas Eve, realizing there's all sorts of other kinds of things that you might have planned. So many people showed up and um, we're going to have them on tonight. Uh, they are going to be speaking for around three or four minutes. And hopefully we can adhere to that as closely as we can. Otherwise, we might be here until Santa comes down the chimney. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much for being here. You, Bill, will explain that Maven is not here. She's feeling under the weather, unfortunately. So prayers and good thoughts go out to you, Maven, and a very Merry Christmas to you. Get better soon. We have some people in the audience. Can we get uh, just throw a group of three at random yeah, up on the screen? Let's do it. Let's bring... Uh... Look, it's Dan Vogel. It's Thomas Murphy. And it's some guy in shades. It's the Pinekernator. <laughs> the Pinekernator. Oh my gosh, this is so great that you're all here. So, Dan, Dan, yes? can you get us off to a great start? You're our, our <laughs> opening act on this really, really big really? view. I, I just, uh, I don't have anything special just to say Merry Christmas. It's been a great year watching you guys every Wednesday night. I look forward to it. I look forward to uh, mingling with the people in the chat. That's all I got. Well, Dan, it's great seeing you. Thank you so much for dropping by to say Merry Christmas. Do you have yeah. anything that you want to say to? Oh, I have to bring up something. I was just talking to Brent Metcalf on the phone before <laughs> My the buddy, show. buddy, Brent. Yes, and he wanted uh, me to say on his behalf that he wishes he could be here. His schedule does not admit of his being here. And he wanted me to remind you, Dan, that you still owe him $100. Okay. Uh, all those free books I've given him? I think that's why he wants the $100. <laughs> no, I made that last part up. Okay. So, Dan, thank you so much. We'll let you go now. Merry Christmas to you. All right. And we'll bring up... Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. And we'll bring up Thomas Murphy, professor um, of something really important, uh, anthropology. Oh, You're an anthropologist, right. aren't you? Well, uh, I have a little story to share. It was actually a Valentine's Day winter storm that left more than a foot of snow on the ground nearly three years ago. My wife, Carrie, and I were, took advantage of this unusual opportunity to snowshoe in our own neighborhood. Then interrupting our romantic adventure, we saw this strange man in a huff trudging down the middle of the road. He suddenly turned towards us and then surprisingly called out my name. Thomas Murphy, he asked. Sheepishly, I replied, yes, who are you? Radio Free Morin, he replied. My first thought was panic. Am I behind <laughs> enemy lines? <laughs> Sorry, that one caught me off guard. <laughs> Trapped in a snowstorm with someone who I'd never seen before, who has no fear of cars on an icy road. This was before the formerly anonymous Radio Free Mormon began carelessly revealing his face in public. Well, at least I recognized his voice. 
We had a delightful but brief conversation during which he asked the inevitable question that I hear from every podcaster. Would you be willing to come on my show to talk about DNA and the Book of Mormon? I was actually an avid listener to his show, so I hesitated to say no. Instead, I suggested that I might be willing to talk about some new research I was doing on 19th century representations of the Iroquois, the indigenous people of upstate New York in the Book of Mormon. This began a long series of texts and phone calls with RFM, repeatedly asking me to talk about DNA. It finally culminated in Mormonism Live episode 72, entitled Neophytes and Lamanites. We discussed instead my new work on representations of Iroquois neophytes, the indigenous people of upstate New York who have some interesting stories of their own about how Mormons came to be. I subsequently accepted a request from Bill Reel to come back on Mormonism Live for episode 103 to talk about the Third Convention, a Mexican Mormon schismatic group from the 1930s. Once again, not to discuss DNA in the Book of Mormon. So today, I have a Christmas Eve present for RFM. Let's talk about DNA in the Book of Mormon in the one minute or so I have left of my allotted time. It turns out there is no DNA evidence to support the Book of Mormon's claim that the ancestors of American Indians came from the ancient Near East. 22, 22 years ago, I wrote the first peer-reviewed article, Lamanite Genesis, Genealogy, and Genetics, uh, that drew from the newly emerging scientific field of molecular anthropology to comment on the historical claims of the Book of Mormon. 21 years ago, on the day before Thanksgiving, my stake president, Matthew Latimer, said he didn't like the conclusions in Lamanite Genesis, Genealogy, and Genetics. Unless I was willing to change my already published conclusions, he threatened to schedule a disciplinary council to try me for apostasy. Now, that was about the dumbest PR move that the church could have made. I said, let's go right ahead and schedule it. The sooner, the better. He scheduled it for an early weekend in the following month of December 2002. By then, the press had had a heyday. It turned out I was right. DNA shows that Native American ancestors were in the Americas tens of thousands of years before the events described in the Book of Mormon, and that their closest relatives are found in North and East Asia, not the Near East. To avert a media catastrophe already well underway, President Latimer canceled the disciplinary council. A few years later, the church changed the word of God, or at least the introduction to it. Now, on Christmas Eve, 22 years later, there is still no DNA evidence to support the Book of Mormon's historical claims. There you go, RFM. I finally talked about DNA and the Book of Mormon on your show. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much, Professor Murphy. Well, this is the season of hope, so perhaps this coming year we'll get that <laughs> DNA evidence. You just wait. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Tom. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. And now in the next in the lineup is Steve Pinecker, but we see that Cheryl Bruno, noted author scholar, has joined us as well. She'll be up right after Pinecker. Pinecker, no, sorry, you're not getting off the hook. He's pointing at Cheryl. Cheryl, do you want to go before Steve? We're welcome to, we're welcome to go. No, go ahead. I want to hear what Steve has to say. Yes, I think we all want to hear what Steve has to say. Steve, the born-again Christian, trying to put Christ back into Christians, I understand. That's right. And by the way, Rob Meldrum, uh, Thomas Murphy, Rob Meldrum says hi. Went and saw the Book of Mormon movie, The Oath, with Rob Meldrum last time I was out in Utah. 
and looking forward to doing something with Thomas and Rod. So How'd the, you like it? Uh, it wasn't really good. Uh, it was a very unfortunate film. Uh, there's some parts of it that was kind of cool, but yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I'm okay. Still well, we'll unpack it another time. I just wanted to get your hot take on the oath. Proceed, please. So RFM was so nice to invite me to come on a special episode uh, for Christmas Eve. And the first thing I thought of was, and by the way, the reason why I'm wearing sunglasses, folks, is this is an all-star cavalcade of Mormon scholars and influencers and YouTubers. And I'm really honored and privileged to be invited onto the program. So he sends me this email. I said, you know what? I was thinking about it. Most of my life, I've suffered from SAD, seasonal affective disorder. And the holidays really, really sucked for me for most of my life. I've suffered depression since basically middle school. And only over the last, of course, the last two and a half years or so since I started my YouTube channel has my depression and anxiety and stress subsided. And one of the great blessings of doing this channel was two years ago, I did my very first Christmas special on my channel. And I got all ducked up in all my gay apparel and my regalia. And I had a really good time doing some Christmas stuff. And they did a Christmas watch along with Rebecca Biblioteca and my, and my friend Nick Jones of the legendary rock and roll podcast, Pod of Thunder. And we got permission from BYU Films to do a watch along of Christmas Snows, Christmas Winds, which is a fantastic book and was produced by BYU Films. But the reason why I came on was because last year I was on this new upstart channel called Mormonish. I think I was their fifth guest. And this, the kids over there at Mormonish decided they were going to do their little thing. And I thought I'd help them out. And we did a special Christmas episode. And, and they asked, I said, what, how can people who have recently transitioned out of Mormonism or faith, like I was an atheist for like 12 years, how can they cope with the holidays? Because it's a very difficult thing. And I said, you know, the key thing that was I was able to do with building my channel was building a community. And a few, a few weeks ago, I've had some, you know, some stressors happen in my life. And I posted that on, on social media. And I had people, including Radio Free Mormon, call me. And so I have this community, the support system of people. So I, the reason I came on was because there are a lot of you right now, this time of year really sucks. And I want to tell you that you have a community. You have a, a place uh, for people. You can reach out to me. I, people reach out to me all the time. Reach out to all of us. We do care about you. For those of you who are suffering seasonal affective disorder or depression, anxiety and stress, you go through this time of year. I know exactly what it's like, but you know, you can get healed from uh, emotional uh, trauma as well, from spiritual and religious abuse. And I'm actually an example of that. And so I just want to thank RFM for giving me the opportunity to come on this platform, because really, honestly, doing this is part of my healing process. And I just want to let people know out there that there is hope and don't be, don't uh, feel despair. There is a community for you. And I love you very much. And I have my timer on. I just went over three minutes and I want to res be respectful of your time. So thank you, RFM and Bill, for putting this together. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for those kind words and supportive words, Steve. I think uh, those were really, really great. And I also thought it was really fascinating what everybody could see in the reflection in your sunglasses. So, uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas. I love all of you. Merry Christmas, Johnny D in the house and Cashero Bruno. I'll see y'all. Bye-bye. And up to bat is Cheryl Bruno. How are you doing? So nice to see you. Hey, I am coming to you from work. As you can tell, I have my office chair here and the plain black wall and no nice books behind me. So Who's I, your boss, Ebenezer Scrooge? I know. I have to work today and I have to work tomorrow. So um, I work at a, an assisted living community. Um, and so it's really fun to be here during the holidays, but I have to work almost every holiday. 
and I no longer have family in town. So I have to admit, I did shed a little tear on my way to work this morning. It was a little sad um, mm. to have to work and not have family around for the holidays. So I'm so glad that you are doing this. Again, um, hi to all the people that um, are by themselves uh, this night and tomorrow. Um, and I hope that we can bring you a little bit of cheer. So I wrote an original poem for you that hopefully will make you laugh. And um, I have, um, through this past year, I've encountered um, kind of a historical drift that you'll see um, that I'll talk about in my poem. And it's um, kind of a spoof on Twas the Night Before Christmas. And I just found out a couple of hours ago that Twas the Night Before Christmas is a really um, appropriate poem to have used because there's some historical discrepancy um, on who wrote that poem. Um, it was published in the newspaper anonymously in 1822, I think. Um, and in 1844, um, a man named Clark Moore claimed the authorship and he published it in a book of poems. But then um, a little bit later, a man, uh, um, the family of Henry Livingston Jr., who was deceased, claimed that he wrote the poem. So no one really knows who wrote the poem. And um, it's kind of a historical mystery. Mm. So you'll see how appropriate that is when I start reading my original takeoff on Twas the Night Before Christmas. I can't wait. Twas the night before Christmas in a quaint little town. A debate stirred the air as the sun settled down. In the glow of the moonlight, a topic took flight. The tale of Joseph Smith and his unions to be polite. Some argue with fervor, a chorus they sing, that Joseph had multiple wedding rings. Polygamy, they claim, was a practice he knew, a secret, they say, he kept from public view. A droll little mouth drawn up in debate as scholars and saints all ponder this fate. Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap mused on the issue and all the claptrap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter in defense of the prophet and the polygamy matter. Monogamists say that Joseph was pure and deny that he even had one paramour. These faithful stand firm with unwavering zeal. There Joseph could never have started this deal. But what to our wondering eyes should appear? but a host of false friends, his good name to besmear. Now Brigham, William Clayton, now Willard, John T. It was Heber C. Kimball, Orson and Parley P. From England to Maine, all the way to Nauvoo, they made up their stories and convinced women too. This historical record is actually fuzzy leaving scholars and faithful alike a bit muzzy. Some point to documents, diaries, and more, while others say context is what we ignore. Now, I heard that in minutes right after my story, that Denver Snuffer will come in his glory. He'll lay his finger aside of his nose and tell us how Joseph was clean as a rose. I'll shake when I laugh like a bowl full of jelly. But Denver and others 
are sincere as Tortelli. The night will go long. This debate will rage on. A theological clash where firm lines are drawn. In all of this turmoil, can peace ever be found? Amidst all these arguments echoing round? History's a puzzle, a tapestry rare, woven with fibers of doubt and despair. In the clash of opinions, can peace find its way? In the spirit of Christmas, what can we all say? Whether Joseph practiced polygamy or not, may goodwill prevail and history be sought. Wonderful. Wow. And I got a feeling that was the premiere of that poem here on the show. <laughs> Denver Snuffer will be joining us later, I think, and maybe yeah. he's watching now. I hope so. So his coming in glory should be imminent. <laughs> thank you so much, Cheryl. It was fun to be on. This is great. Oh, thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you, Sean. And now next in line, first off, Sean McCraney has joined us. And uh, in the other corner, hey, Jean, in the other hey. corner, we've got John DeLynn, who apparently is taking a break from filming the sequel to Boys in the Hood. How are you doing there, Mr. De Dr. DeLynn? Excuse me. Hi, guys. That was fun to hear Cheryl. I haven't, I haven't talked to Cheryl since she was known as Borden Vernal on the blogs. Can you, can you guys hear me okay? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. My advice to you, John, don't talk to the cops and do not do the field sobriety tests. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm um I'm I I stepped out of a family thing, so I'm in the car. Um, Sean McCraney, it's good to see you, brother. What's up, John Delenn? Hello, RFM and company. Great to see you all. Oh, I hear you might be you bringing too. back Heart of the Matter. I'm excited, Sean. Yeah, coming back in March, uh, May of next year. Well, I want to be. I want to. I want to follow that. So I'm happy to hear it. Oh, Thanks, so uh, I don't want to take your guys' time. Let me. Can I just go really quick? You're supposed to take our time. That's what you're here for, actually. Oh. Okay. Well, uh, I just wanted to, today, what I'm going to share is just a little bit of gratitude. There's three things that I'm particularly grateful for, and it's it's all involving um, Bill and RFM, and I'll say Maven and Rebecca and all the people who are involved in tonight and elsewhere. I'm grateful to Bill and RFM for being my friends. Uh, they've been really good friends over the years. And that's meant a lot to me personally. So I just wanted to express my gratitude for that. Sean, you've also been a good friend. I'll say that since you're uh, also on the panel. I'm also grateful that y'all are fellow podcasters. Uh, you do such excellent work, work that I could never do effectively. Um, and uh, I'm so happy that the community has uh, Radio Free Mormon and Bill Reel and all the podcasts that are part of your network. And I mean that very sincerely. I know it means a lot to a lot of people. When people tell me they don't listen to Mormon stories, but they love Mormonism Live or Radio Free Mormon, it actually makes me really happy because what I want is when I go away, a really vibrant community and you guys help me know that that's gonna happen. So, and then I'm really grateful for the community you guys develop because you guys are able to develop community just like this show or like the way the Mormonism live community comes back every week. Uh, it's a really powerful network community where people matter to each other. And, you know, I think 
they've proven experts have proven that the active ingredient of religion is community and so if and when people lose their religion they still need community and uh i've tried to build community and have had a hard time doing it but it's really fun to see what what y'all have done and are doing and are doing today so those are the three grateful things i'm for and that's all i got well wonderful thank you so much for joining us tonight john delin i'll tell you that that was great especially the part about me and <laughs> You know, people do people really come up to you and tell you that they don't listen to Mormon stories, but they love Mormonism Live? Just follow Reddit. It's there all the time. It's like John DeLynn's old news. It's all about Bill Real and RFM. Because that's what I tell people, too. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I don't listen to Mormon stories, but I love Mormonism Live. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm, I'm right there with you, brother. No, I kid. I kid because I love. Thank you so much, John DeLynn. You can get back Very into your party now. Merry Give everybody Christmas, the best for me, Hi, please. Who's that the Merry... It's me, John. My eyes aren't working. Summer rain. Oh, summer. Hey, summer. Hey, John. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You guys are the best. Take care, okay? All right. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas Bye. to you. you. You can't blame him for not being able to see somebody on the screen. It looked like he was in the pitch dark. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was surprised he got his hands out of the cups. <laughs> Just hold on two minutes, officer. <laughs> I have a commitment. I have a commitment. I got to do this. Three minutes. Yeah. I got to talk to my lawyer. Get the advice. Don't Get talk. Don't do anything. <laughs> Summer, good to see you. Sean McCraney is up here. He looks like Father Christmas. My goodness. Don't you have some presents to be delivering? I'm working on it. I've, I've gained the weight. I've got the beard. I'm working on it hard. <laughs> and by the way, that, that uh, beard is looking good on you, handsome. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Well, thank you very much. You're talking to me then. Thank yes, you. Yes, I am. Uh, the others are lacking beards. I'm near summer. <laughs> Look, some things my mind goes there, but my mouth says, I'm not following you on this one. Yeah. So, was it my turn? Yes, please, okay. Sean. Listen, I, I, I just want to, Summer, I'm not, I don't know, hope I haven't jumped in front of Summer, but. Uh, uh, I've been out of the game. I'm the old man. I've been out of the, the LDS game for uh, 10 years now. And uh, I want to thank RFM and crew um, for having a safety net for people at a precarious time of life. If you're in a ministry here in Utah, you know that the holiday seasons can really rip people apart if, for various reasons. So grateful to RFM and Bill Real and the whole thing, all visitors, everybody who's presented. That Christmas song, The Little Drummer Boy, comes to mind. I don't have much to offer. Uh, I, in fact, I don't have anything funny to offer. The only thing I can offer is uh, the insights I have gained in the last 10 years of devoted study to try to figure out what all this stuff is about. And the only thing I can do is uh, offer a prayer uh, to everybody in a non-denominational, non-religious uh, way. And so that's what I want to do tonight and just uh, petition uh, the power that governs whatever it is in your world. If you're Buddhist or Hindu or Catholic or, or Mormon or Baptist, it doesn't matter uh, from what I can tell anymore. Um, I, I just petition that power who I believe's name is Yahava. And I petition Yahava in his name that he will bless every single person, whether they have faith or not, because it's irrelevant. Uh, he, he, you don't earn it. He does it. 
And there is a power, I suggest, that loves all people, all presenters and every single listener, and he's with you. I, I lift up the people who struggle with poverty and loneliness and sadness and depression, suicidal ideations, homosexuals, LGBTQIA, pedophiles, uh, people who break the law and people who keep it, religious folk and non-religious folk, atheists and theists alike. I lift every single person up because they are all part of a world that he loves. And I submit to any listener right now that he loves you and that he is there. And I pray that his blessings will be bestowed upon every single listener somehow in some way. I can't tell you how to believe what to believe. You decide that for yourself, but I can tell you this from my what I've what I've seen. There's no judgment. There's no hell. All of it's been overcome, and there's no fear. Live your good life. Follow the way you want, and I'm sure He will bless you. Finally, I want to uh, mention Cheryl Bruno has written. Uh, like most of you, I've read a few books about Mormonism. I think her book. Uh, Method Infinite is the best book ever written on the subject of Mormonism and its foundations and what, what and who built it. So RFM and crew, thank you so much. And I really appreciate you letting this old man come on your show. Thank you so much, John. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you so much, brother. Have a wonderful Christmas. Same to all you guys. Thank all you. right. Thanks. Sorry about the, the the noises in the background. I think, well, I think John DeLynn was just driving by. That's what I thought. I, yeah. I thought they, they found With him. his entourage. They got it. <laughs> I thought they found John for a second there. <laughs> John just finally found fourth gear. All right. So <laughs> summer, summer rain. How do I follow up with that? Sean, that was amazing. And I just want to say I'm so not sure. That, I think you said Yahava. You have yeah, yeah, yes, it reminded said. me of a line from a movie about uh, I ate his liver with Yahava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> okay, that's really rude. I don't think anything <laughs> could be more sacrilegious. And you heard it here on Mormonism Live <laughs> on Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. I hope Sean's, I hope Sean just turned it off and did, yeah. didn't see that. that I'm sorry, Sean. I don't know the line, RFM, but I knew the facial expression. That was Hannibal Lecter. Good job. <laughs> you get everything right. here god makes a good bean yeah summer um i just want to say i'm very humbled to be here with you guys tonight thank you so much for inviting me on um i have a story and it's going to be a medical story my husband had me take notes because he wanted to make sure that i got it right that's that's an <laughs> er doc for you um <laughs> But so my husband, when he was in residency, he worked in the city and he would do rotations out in the urban community. And um, this day, a kid around 16, 17 years old comes in. He's in shock. He's not he's not talking much, but he says he got shot. So my husband's like, wow, you know, he's not really freaking out, but he does do a precursory look around and he sees he has a gunshot wound right here in his tricep. But there's no exit wound. Sees a bullet hole here. He sees a little scratch right here on his shoulder and a little blood right outside of his ear. But that's it. So 
he goes, he uh, gets the ENT to check everything out. Everything looks good. He gets an x-ray done and they see no bullet. Does an x-ray of the arm. There's no bullet. Bones are intact. Everything is fine. So he goes to um, see some other people. He comes back. The child's mother is now there and she is freaking out. She says, you know, I see some blood outside my son's ear. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a bullet in his ear. My husband says, no, ma'am, calm down. I understand this is a very stressful situation, but the ENT checked it out. The eardrum is intact. There's nothing going on there. It's, it's not in the, in the ear. We don't know where the bullet went because we don't see an exit wound. The mother says, well, what about the scratch right here? The, the bullet couldn't come out of there? He says, no, that's not possible because the bones are intact. Everything is fine. I, I need you to calm down, ma'am. So he goes in, goes to do other things. The kid now is starting to feel a little um, woozy. He has a little bit of a headache. He starts to throw up. So my husband says, I, I wonder if he has a concussion. Let's go ahead and get a CT scan. He goes in, gets a CT scan. And do you guys have that slide, that picture? Yes, we do. This is what comes up on the CT. You see that earring there is a 45 caliber bullet. Most powerful handgun ever made. So what ended up happening was the kid was walking down the street. He heard gunshots. He put his hand up like this. The bullet went through his arm, went up through his shoulder without breaking a bone, came out through that scratch they saw in the thing, hit his ear, went through the ear canal without breaking any his eardrum and lodged at the base of his skull above his ear and was just sitting there. So the best part of the story was that my husband had to go back in and tell the mother, you do not have a medical degree and I'm a third year resident, but you know more medicine than I do. And around this time of year, Christmas time, I tell my husband, you know, people say father knows best, but remember mothers are always right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Summer. It's like a magic bullet. That's what I say. I always say that. I said after it went in his ear, it went and killed JFK because it was ridiculous. It did <laughs> all these crazy powers. things. So thank you again, guys, for having me here. I just wanted to give you a really fun, crazy, entertaining medical story and have a wonderful Christmas, great new year. And thank you for doing this, Bill and RFM. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Merry Christmas to you, Summer. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. And now we've got some more people who have joined us in our festivities. There's John Lundwall. Do you like Jonathan Lundwall or is it John? Uh, whatever you got. Professor. Got Professor, it. doctor, uh, sovereign lord, whatever, whatever. And then over there in the other corner of the ring, we have uh, Colby and Cami Reddish. Hi. Hi, Arvin. Hi, Bill. Hi, John. Hi, Good to see you as well. Merry Christmas Eve. Oh, Merry Christmas Eve to you too. We're going to go right to Professor Lundwall now, and he's going to share some pictures and tell us what he thinks about this Yuletide Christmas season. Well, happy Christmas Eve. Happy Winter's Eve. Uh, I thought I'd just share uh, a couple photographs. Uh, you know, I've been asked, where will you go? What will you do? I spent a lot of time in the deserts of Utah in the American Southwest, and we, I, I just returned, actually, from filming Winter Solstice Sunrise from a sky house and a solar viewing shrine from the Fremont. Uh, so, um, you, uh, there you go. 
I have four photographs that uh, these I've taken. They're single shot images, almost no Photoshop involved. And so I thought I'd just share what what I like to do when I have my camera out in the desert. So, okay, uh, Professor Lundvall, yes. that tree doesn't shine like that naturally, does it? <laughs> I almost died taking that shot. There's a real story behind here. I, I lit the tree with battery-operated Christmas lights, and then I had to get there at 2 a.m. I had a remote to turn them on, but the batteries froze. So I had to walk out there. That's an 800-foot cliff the tree's on. <laughs> so I had to walk out there and change the batteries in uh, about minus 10 degrees at 2.30 in the morning. So anyway, great shot, though. Next picture. It's beautiful. Ah, this is a uh, pit house. It's a reconstructed pit house, Fremont Indian State Park. I like taking photographs that wed heaven and earth. And I went there to try to get a shot of the ladder pointing up into the sky, but I saw the snow sparkle reflecting the stars in the sky, and I thought, that's my shot. So I'm laying in six to eight inches of snow. I didn't have a blanket. My camera's an inch above the uh, the snowpack. The, the ladder's slightly out of focus because I have to manually focus, and every time I breathe, my camera would fog over. So I took like 200 shots, and they were all out of focus. <laughs> Anyway, metaphor for my life. I still love the shot. <laughs> Next picture. Oh, uh, this wow. is uh, Fajada Butte in Chaco Canyon, New Mexico. Uh, at the top of Fajada Butte is actually a beautiful solar shrine. During the solstices and equinoxes, a sun dagger is cast on a petroglyph on that shrine. And they don't let people go up there anymore. But uh, I was able to get the Milky Way vertical above the butte. Actually, a difficult shot to get. So... Um, and last slide. Is there a last slide? Yeah. Oh, yes, there is. All right. This is a crystal lake in the Uintas in Utah. Again, the, the water reflecting the sky, the sky reflecting the water. Um, so I, I, I guess I'll just end my three minutes, uh, by quoting, uh, Sarah Williams, a little couplet, uh, though my, Soul fall in darkness, it shall rise in perfect light, for I love the stars too fondly to be fearful of the night. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas to the uh, Mormon discussion community. Happy Christmas. Thank you so much, Professor Lundwall. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing those thoughts and those wonderful photographs. And now there's Colby and Cammie. We've seen, we've, uh, recognized you before we said hi please share hi. with us your thoughts on this wonderful christmas eve perfect cammy is going to share first okay well i wrote it down so that i don't start like crying because i love christmas <laughs> some of my best childhood memories are at christmas time and i think for a lot of people that's true um but when we found that like a belief in christ couldn't exist for us um i worried that our kids wouldn't get that same christmas magic that I had as a kid and that a lot of people experience. Um, but it didn't take long to realize that that magic is still there and it's still stronger in a lot of ways because no matter what you believe that kindness is real and the excitement and the anticipation is real and the relationships and the feelings of love are real. Um, and it turns out I like living in a way where I can focus more on the people around me. Um, yeah. At the beginning, at the beginning of this big change for us, which I think anyone who's gone through 
what people call a faith crisis or kind of re-examined what they believe. Um, it's hard not to feel broken or alone or scared or lied to. Um, but the things that I believed my whole life, I felt like they were taken from me. But now that I've experienced what it's like without, I feel grateful every day for the peace that comes um, from letting go of those stories. And I gained the most valuable thing, which is just a sound epistemology. If you listen to Colby, you, you know that's what he talks about so much because it has guided us to where we are now. And it is so valuable to know that you can move forward. Um, and it really is a gift. Um, and it comes with a piece that I didn't know existed, but it's out there. And so if anyone else is still in the weeds of figuring out who you are or what you want, um, or if you're feeling alone and broken or lost, I know that that piece is there. It, it, peace can be kind of a, a silly word and I kind of get triggered by it a little bit, but that is the closest thing that I can use to describe the feeling that you get when you know that you can move forward in a way that feels right and that feels um, good. Like it feels good to know that there's a way to believe in things that is, I don't know, sound. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so I guess happy holidays. I'll let Colby talk now. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Cammy. That was really, really wonderful and very meaningful. Now, Colby, I just want to know, how, how did you go about wrapping a sound epistemology? How did I go about wrapping that? Yes, when you gave it to Cammy as a gift. Well, I wrapped it with an R, not with a W. It was a, an epistemology wrap, RFM. I'll do it for you sometime. Bravo. Very good. <laughs> Well, I just wanted to share my thoughts on Christmas Eve. Um, Christmas Eve has always been a little bit of a somber holiday for me. And that's in part because my grandfather, um, who I'm very close to, lost his father on December 23rd when he was just eight years old. And my great-grandfather who passed away, he was a bishop at the time. He was a bishop in Pocatello, Idaho. And they were returning home from a trip, a last-minute trip <clears throat> to the temp from the temple in Idaho Falls at the time. And they were hit and my great-grandfather was killed by a drunk driver. And the same accident left my great-grandmother uh, severely injured with five young boys. And so my grandfather has always shared this story with us every Christmas Eve that I can remember. And so in part because of this and in part because of my love of Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, I have always viewed Christmas Eve as my best chance to reflect on the passage of time and the gratitude I feel for the life that I have. And it is often the time that I connect to the feelings that are hard and uncomfortable for me. Um, last Christmas was my first Christmas without a belief in Christianity, and it was extremely difficult for me. So the biggest message I wanted to share tonight with your audience, RFM and Bill, is that whoever you are in the world, wherever you are in your faith journey, um, and whoever you are, I hope that you're able to connect to the things that mean the most to you this Christmas. I hope that you do not allow whatever family or religious trauma you've been handed to take anything else from you going forward. Because this life, those wonderful brief moments that we get with those we love and those who love us, these moments do not belong exclusively to any one family or any one faith tradition or system. And I can promise for those of you that are new to doing Christmas without a belief in Christ, it does get better. In fact, I feel incredibly grateful for the changes in our lives over the last two years since our faith crisis started 
And while it may be a little too testimony meeting adjacent for some of your audience, I wanted to express how much I love and appreciate my relationship with Cammie. There are no words to fully express how I feel about her, about our kids. Losing my belief in our eternal marriage has made every single moment with her so much more magical and so much something I appreciate so much more. So wherever your audience is today in this world, whatever they believe, whoever they love, I, I want to express that I hope they make that limited time matter through the choices that they make. And Merry Christmas Eve. Thank you so much, Colby. Wonderfully put. Wonderfully put. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you, Colby. Merry Christmas to you, Cammie. Thank Merry you for Christmas. joining the show. Thank you. And now we have on the screen, Martine. Martine Derrick. How Can are you? you? Okay. And there's also Jim Bennett. I think I'm on too early, aren't I? No, you're fine because we're ha we have you on the screen just so you can sit there and we can okay. all look at you while we're listening. No, well, but Martine is going to go next and then we'll hear from Jim Bennett. Yeah, Martine, I think, is next. So, Martine, what a fabulous <laughs> decor you've got going there behind you. I've got St. Nicholas. See, because I grew up with St. Nicholas, so I have a little St. Nicholas over my shoulder. Yes, and that's been ever small. since you were very young, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, can you describe these people in this photograph? I can describe two of them. <laughs> <laughs> one, one is the great saint, as my mother always referred to him, St. Nicholas. Uh, the little girl with the long hair and the white bow who looks fairly skeptical of the whole situation is me. I was about four or five years old. So I was taken into Belgium in the department store and uh, Lila Tuller a few days ago restored what was a very beat up black and white photograph and uh, colorized it as well. So I'm grateful to Lila who will be on sometime after me. I love the photograph. I understand you've got a story to tell us, which is actually going to give us a big insight into how it is that President Nelson is such a wonderful speaker. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, so here it goes. Uh, in the summer of 1995, our family moved back to Salt Lake after spending nearly 20 years in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That October, uh, we drove the few miles uh, from our home to Temple Square for on Saturday evening for my husband and our son to attend priesthood meeting together at Temple Square in the Tabernacle. While I would just hang out around, you know, around Temple Square and probably Desert Desert Book, um, as I was milling around outside the doors of the Tabernacle, I ran into. I recognize a former ward member from our ward in Baton Rouge. He was a man in his early 30s. And he happened to be the technical director at that time for music and the spoken word and general conference and pretty much anything else that the choir did or that the church did. So we chatted a little bit and I had watched conference that morning. So that was Saturday morning. And I said, hey, I just noticed something this morning. Uh, I was watching Elder Scott speak, Richard Scott, member of the 12, and I said, I don't know why, but I've never noticed that before. I noticed he, he doesn't seem to use the teleprompter. He like looks so intently into the camera. 
And this man, this friend said, you're right, uh, Elder Scott doesn't use the, tele the teleprompter. He records his talks ahead of time and then uh, he memorizes them first, he records them. And so he has a little tape recorder in his uh, suit pocket and uh, a little earpiece. And so he knows his talk, but you know, if he gets stuck somewhere, he's got a prompter, his own little prompter. And he said, you know, and by the way, there's another member of the 12 who does the same thing. That's uh, Elder Nelson. Well, we had moved a couple of blocks from Elder Nelson's home north of it. And our two wards met in the same ward building. So we were sister wards, as it's called. And Elder Nelson was the speaker uh, the Sunday before Christmas, every single year. Uh, the program included just one speaker and it was, it was Elder Nelson. And um, so after our, my friend told me that, I started noticing during general conference that I could see uh, Elder Nelson, like, come to the podium with his hand in his pocket or leave the podium and put his head in his pocket. And I thought, yeah, there's something to that. So one uh, Christmas, a um, few, few years later, I think in the early 2000s, the early aughts, um, he had spoken and I was in the choir. And as sacrament meeting concluded, I happened to be sitting right behind him. So the choir sang a closing number the closing prayer, everybody bowed their head, including me. But for some reason, I opened my eyes after a few seconds. And I saw now President Nelson reach into his ear and pull out his earpiece. And I sat there and I went, yes! <laughs> I, had, I had proof positive that even in our joint sacrament meeting with his ward, uh, he recorded his talk ahead of time. And that was sort of, a, uh, it was nice to find out that he wasn't quite the man that he was seen to be. I mean, members would say, because he would mention members from both wards, people's accomplishments in that talk. He would recap his travel year and, you know, what, what he and his wife had been doing and family, all of, all of his daughters. So uh, I, I know that, you know, some of us used to say, wow, he doesn't really know our ward, you know, he seems to be so up to date on what's <laughs> going on. And he remembers people's names so well. And anyway, so, so now you sort of know the rest of the story. I have watched more President Nelson talks the last few days to see what I can catch. And unfortunately, I didn't get close enough to see whether he has stopped doing that or if he has when he did it when maybe, you know, he sort of gave up and started reading the teleprompter like everybody else. So, well, great catch. story, except it was in a Christmas sacrament meeting that I got the, the nice little good. moment, the, the actual, oh, yes, he's taking it out. It it's like spotting Santa <laughs> yes. on Christmas. <laughs> it was. Fantastic. It was you know, funny. I understand Boyd K. Packer would have done the same thing, except he didn't think it was appropriate to touch his little prompter. <laughs> Good one. Just saying. Thank you. M and Martine, thank you so much for joining us. Joyeux Noël à tous. And you're another one. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. And if uh, now we've got Jim Bennett down below. He's next up. And on deck, we've got 
Natasha Helfer. How are you doing? Good. Happy to be with you all. Happy, oh my gosh. happy Christmas Eve. It's so great to see you. By the way, while Jim is, Jim's going to sing for us. A song well, I am too, but he will sound better than me. I'm not a... I'm not I a, wouldn't count on it necessarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got a, a harmonica. Are you gonna, Is that a harmonica in front of your face? It is. And I've got a guitar that's out of shot. Should I, if I stand up, should I sing like this? And a drum on your back and cymbal strapped between your knees. I'm Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. All he's missing is a monkey in a box, right? That's right. Oh my gosh! Well, hey, don't <laughs> don't spoil the, the the finale. All right. So, Jim, this is going to be great, and then we'll have Natasha. Let's let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear the All right. Well, you've come up with. Just quickly, this is a song that I wrote. It's based on a true story, uh, and uh, it happened in this Christmas of 2006. This is called "The Miracle of the Christmas Pooh." Here we go. It was on a Christmas night, the fireplace was warm and bright. There were no more songs to sing. It was time for burning things, so I burned up all the ribbons, and I burned the wrapping too, and I might have burned the house down if it hadn't been for the miracle of the Christmas pool. Kids had gone to bed in turn. I'd run out of things to burn. So I threw the ash away. It was time to hit the hay. So I dreamed of all my presents that were red and green and blue. But I never dreamed of dreaming I would owe my life to the miracle of the Christmas pool. Thank you. 
They did what they had to do. It was less than elegant, the miracle of the Christmas poo. Christmas poo. Christmas poo. That was fantastic. Jim Bennett, amazing. <laughs> Glad that I was so good. It. it was like Bob Dylan. There you go. Well, he yeah, had a song like that. Through. I think it was called The Answer I mean, My I Friend is. I'm it up a little more if you wanted me to. Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Jim. Here. Jim, who until very recently was a actually a member of the Temple Choir. At Tabernacle Square. Is it the Tabernacle Choir? It's the Tabernacle Choir. I got my T's mixed up. Right. Until the last few minutes is what you're Yeah, talking. it was very recently, actually. Yes, very, very, very recently. Until indeed. very recently you were a member of that choir. <laughs> That's but right. It's okay. Hey, it was you went out on a high note, and I mean that. <laughs> I'm not sure if I quite made the high note, but... Uh, oh, you thanks. did. You did. They heard it down the street. I can hear the dogs howling from here. Um but no, the Bob Dylan song that you obviously ripped this off from was uh, The Answer, My Friend, is Blowing in the Poo. Ah, uh, yes. yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. Well. <laughs> I think I'd be that worse. Thank you, Have Jim. Have you ever heard Bob Dylan's Christmas album, by the way? He has one. And it's no. called Christmas in the Heart, and it is unlistenable. So take a listen. It's a lot of fun. I'll leave that with you. I'll do that. And if you say something's unlistenable, that means something after your performance tonight. That's all I can say. Thank you so much, Jim. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you. I'll do it to the camera there. Merry Christmas. And now we've got more fun than post-Mormon should have. So uh, we've got uh, Natasha. We've got, got uh, Rebecca, who's looking festive. And then we have a member of my state presidency, Ben McKay. All the stars are coming out tonight. The one star shines the brighter star. than them all, and that is Natasha Helfer. Oh How are God. you doing? <laughs> We're doing well. Thank you. I also have a song for y'all, but not quite, well, I don't know if not quite as funny. Mine's funny. Oh, do we need uh, to get um, the kids out of the room? Uh, oh, yeah. Get the kids out of the room. Yeah, get the kids out of the room. <laughs> Natasha's coming to town. Funny. It's going to get a little blue outside, if you know what I mean. <laughs> And I've got my kiddo Rowan who's going to back me up with guitar. So, <laughs> that's, hey, I'm here to just get to remind us all that our sexuality is a gift. And it's a gift that ke ke keeps on giving in whatever ways you prefer. And I think as we're going through faith transitions and religious, you know, tra trauma and all the wonderful things, it's nice to reclaim reclaim our sexuality, have fun with it, have humor. So this is my 12 only do one verse or else we'll all go mad. Is so, it strange? Is this, I think you need to psychoanalyze me when I tell you that I'm feeling embarrassed for and in behalf of my state presidency member friend. <laughs> no need. No need. All right. Okay. Then we'll just give the stage over to Michelle. All right. I'm Michelle Natasha. Excuse me. Then? Okay. Hopefully this won't traumatize too many people. All right. Ready? Yes. Okay. On the first 12, oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, go ahead. We don't want to start on the first. Okay, go ahead, sorry. Take two. On the 12th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 12 nipple teasers, 11 anal plugs, 10 lubes and lotions, 9 textured dildos, 
eight striptease coupons, seven magic wands, six erotic stories, five silicone cock rings, four ties and cuffs, three finger vibes, two position pillows, and a penis pump to help us with ED. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, that Merry was fantastic. Christmas and have a wonderful new year. <laughs> I can tell you're going to have a wonderful new year. <laughs> it sounds like you I got enough have, to last I year for the whole year, a, too. I do say for the therapy of my poor children who have to go along with these things. <laughs> Wait a second. Is that someone that you know behind you playing the guitar? Yeah, this is Rowan. This is my kiddo, my oldest. <laughs> Whoa. Hello. Merry Christmas to you, too. What wonderful guitar playing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you're very proud. Yeah, happy holidays. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Bill. Merry Christmas, RFM. Merry Christmas, everyone. Natasha, thank you so much for coming on the show. Merry Christmas to you. All right. Have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> and now we're going to go to Rebecca Biblioteca. And uh, just so you know, hey, Randy, you're on the show. Randy, do you know you're on the screen? Oh. <laughs> okay, just don't do anything embarrassing or compromising. Okay. After that, I, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> it, it is. The bar has been raised substantially here. All right, so Rebecca, you get to follow that act. What are you going to do? I was going to say, wonders? how the hell am I supposed to follow that? I mean, come on. <laughs> no, that was amazing. I, I want the lyrics to that, Natasha, please, please. All right, I'm going to tell a Christmas story, and this is the best Christmas of my life, and it happened when I was three years old in 1968. That's correct. Every Christmas since then, 55 of them have been a slow, sad trajectory downhill. But this Christmas, 1968, when I was three years old, there was a Santa Claus that was supposed to parachute into the mall. The mall was called Uptown. It was kind of like a little town center near my home. And my parents had told me that they would take me to the mall to see Santa Claus parachute in. It was going to be the big kickoff of the Christmas season right after Thanksgiving. So I woke up that morning and of course I was sick. I had a cold. I had a temperature. I could not go to the mall and see Santa Claus parachute in. Instead, my dad told me, well, we'll just listen on the radio because this is, you know, back old timey in the 60s where they would broadcast things on the radio that were exciting. And so I was eating breakfast at the kitchen table in my pajamas and my dad's tuning the radio and we hear the broadcast from the mall. And they're talking about, you know, hold on, everybody. Santa's on his way. Get ready. And then they start getting reports. All right. Hold up, everybody. Santa seems to have blown off course a little bit. We're, we're getting the news now. He's he's blown off course north of us. So, of course, I was three. I didn't know where we were located, but my dad knew that we were exactly north of the mall. So he runs out into the front yard, says, Rebecca, Rebecca, come here. We go outside. This is a true story. <laughs> Santa Claus, who I could not go see at the mall because I was sick, is parachuting down toward my house. So behind my house, there's an empty field and there are three yards that have a field behind them. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty large tract of land. And I'm guessing that's where Santa was aiming for once he realized he wasn't going to make where he was supposed to hit at the mall. So Santa Claus literally crash landed 
in that field adjacent to an elementary school field in my backyard. So we threw our coats on. We had to kind of drive around the block to get over to the back of the field. We drove over. We saw Santa Claus being picked up off the ground. They wrapped him in some kind of a towel or a blanket. I mean, this is a very vivid memory. <laughs> he was limping a little bit and they helped him into a car and drove him off to the mall. And it was the greatest Christmas ever because I couldn't go to Santa. But, you know, when you're three, you're a main character in your own life. And Santa came straight to me. Now, I've told this story before. I told it um, once when I was a primary pianist and we were all supposed to share a Christmas story. I told it and somebody in the bishopric came up to me afterwards and said, I don't believe you, <laughs> which was so kind of him. So this time I have a graphic in case anyone out there doesn't believe me. Maybe we can pull that up very quickly. I went to the newspaper archive. There it is. Santa undaunted arrives in a city. It says there's the car that I saw him being dumped into with his broken ankle <laughs> as they drove him off to the mall to delight all the children. So best Christmas ever. That is a fantastic, fantastic story, Rebecca. Amazing. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. So I guess and my wish is Christmas miracles for everybody this season and going forward into the new year. Oh, thank you so much. That's great. But by the way, the picture lower left, the one that's in color. Yes. That, that's not in the newspaper. No, that's me playing with AR. I, I said, make a Santa Claus that looks kind of like RFM if you let his beard grow a little bit more and parachute it into a mall. So that's me. Then that's as close to a parachute as I'll ever get. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thank it. you again so much for sharing that with us. Thanks for joining us tonight, yeah. Rebecca. Merry Christmas Merry to Christmas. you. Merry Christmas. And now, now we've got a bona fide Mormon and a great guy, personal friend of mine, Ben McKay, second counselor in the stake presidency. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Sounds like you're doing great. We are covering the gamut tonight. We've got guests <laughs> from every possible stripe of Mormon, post-Mormon, whatever. And we're all here together, enjoying the spirit of the season and wishing each other well. Yes. Well, that's that's the, th the thought I wanted to bring with a little anecdote. I, I warned you that I'm not really funny or entertaining, but... Oh, you're uh, both one funny that... and entertaining. <laughs> well, that's kind of you to say. Uh, one thing that I remember from Christmas growing up, my, my maternal grandfather uh, died a staunch atheist and viewed Christmas as sort of a, a cultural or traditional holiday. And so my mom told me the story of when on Christmas Eve, what they would do, they would decorate the tri Christmas tree on Christmas Eve because he would go to the Christmas tree farms or, or stores or lots, right, where they sold Christmas trees after they had all closed for the night and thought, well, I'm just going to get a Christmas tree from the lot without having to pay for it thinking that he was just, you know, recycling the tree, so to speak. And so when my mom got married, that's how she thought Christmas trees were obtained. And so my dad, who was raised in a, a pretty traditional LDS family, was sent on an errand by my mother to go get a Christmas tree. They couldn't afford one. And so she said, oh, no, my dad just went to the Christmas tree yard as soon as they closed and, and grabbed a tree. And so you can imagine my dad who, who you know, thinking to himself, I'm, I'm stealing a tree here went around and he came home apparently with this pathetic, uh, decrepit old tree that he wouldn't even go into the yard to get outside the fence, something to that effect. And my mom ended up sewing these, these holly leaves on the tree to try and make it 
look like a Christmas tree for their first Christmas as, as husband and wife. And so she learned that not all things are as they seem. Uh, my grandfather probably didn't think he was stealing and he wasn't in his mind, but my dad couldn't fathom the fact of just pulling a tree off the yard. And, and that, that story helped me sort of understand what I, I think is a good message, like you mentioned, RFM, about Christmas. That the point is, the spirit of Christmas is to wish each other well, regardless of, of where we come from, regardless of the cultural traditions we have, of where we're at on the faith journey. And that's my, my thought that I wanted to leave with you guys is just, you know, I'm, I appreciate what you guys are doing, bringing people together to celebrate the true meaning of this season, which is well-wishing, being charitable, be kind, being kind. Uh, there, there's nothing better than than a reminder that we can be kind to everyone, uh, regardless of who we are, whether we disagree, agree, support each. We should all be able to support each other across the board. So, Merry Christmas, and thanks for having me on. Thank you so much, Ben, or should I say, President McKay? Hey, that has kind of ben a ring to it, doesn't it? Thank you <laughs> so much fine. for being here. Thanks for being a friend. Seriously. Yep. I, Merry I Christmas. Appreciate our friendship, ben. our friend. Thanks. Thank you. And so now Lila Tuller has joined us. I'm so glad she made it. I know you had to work today. Yes, I just broke the speed limit to get down the canyon to get here in time. So here I am. Well, I'm glad that you made it safely. Thank you. And in time. So I tell you what, hey, Randy, um, are you okay if we put Lila in front of you? She is Absolutely. actually in front of you on the schedule. I know you've been here since the beginning because you have no friends. <laughs> I have one that they're waiting for me. Yeah, go. No, that's great. Let's or, hear. Are from they Lola. waiting for you? Because you mentioned something about dinner reservations, right? It's okay. Let's hear from Lila. No, no, no. Let's let's go, with Randy. Randy, you go, you go, please, because dinner's waiting. I'm quick, Lila. Great to see you. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. And I just want to say a couple things. First of all, I rarely disagree with John DeLynn, but I did disagree that. Um, I think we actually are building a great community, and uh, it's been of great help to me. I'm sporting my Christmas sweater, which Mrs. Uh, Leo Fender gave to me. I worked on a book with her, and um, and she uh, she gave this to me the uh, the Christmas Eve before she passed away. So she was actually a very fortunate part of my community and rebuilding because uh, she's a devout Christian, and we met once a week to work on the the book project and. Uh, so I I, uh, I get to sport that tonight. I just have some quick uh, gifts to give, and then I'm out of here. Uh, Bill Real, I got this for you. Um, next time I see you, I'm going to give it to you. It's the Rosetta Stone, and it's also a stress ball. Uh, so that you, next time you do a Book of Abraham episode, you can uh, take your stress out on that. I and, love it. <laughs> And RFM, I've been collecting magic tricks to give to you when I see you in Las Vegas. <laughs> so I just want to spread uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. And uh, thanks for doing this. I, uh, last thing I want to say is that, think about it. Your episodes literally would fill up a conference center and tw over 20,000 people easily. Um, and, and many times, many more than that. The influence... That that you and when I say you, I mean Bill Real, I mean John Delan, RFM, the list goes. Um, Jonathan Streeter, Lindsey Hansen Park, Renee Maven, the list goes on. Steve Pineker, um, collectively helps hundreds of or uh, uh, literally millions of people. Eighty percent of those of us who have 
uh, switch gears into another uh, worldview. And uh, I think that the, the community is great. And I had a last thought, but I can't remember what it is. But uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, Randy. Thank you, Randy. Oh, oh whoa. Yeah, yeah. I seem to have been muted for a moment. <laughs> Christmas won't be Christmas without RFM being muted for at least a moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's the first line in Little Women. Go check it out if you don't believe me. Randy, thank you so much for being here. Merry Christmas. Please tell whoever it is that's been waiting on you. It's all my fault. I take full responsibility. <laughs> all right. Love you guys. See ya. Bye-bye. And what the heck? Landon Brophy has now joined us. Landon, weren't you supposed to be here with Rebecca? Oh, yeah. You're yeah. muted. Unmute yourself, my friend. <laughs> hey, are you are you muted? Yeah. Are you talking to me? I'm down at the bottom there. Are you talking to me? I'm not talking to you. Okay. Because I don't think I'm muted. Yeah. Landon? I'm Andy. here. There we go. I, I had a mic check problem, as you can see. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you, weren't you supposed to be here with your, um, you know, your host, your co-host, uh, Rebecca? Yeah, but I, I didn't want to follow Natasha. There was no way I wanted to follow that. <laughs> well, everybody's coming after her is following her. You meant, you meant immediately following her. <laughs> was that me that was supposed to do that? Yeah, you were. You were scheduled to be on with Rebecca, and now it's like you know you're kind of. Just hanging out there. What yeah, would you like to right. share with that's us? All right. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Because I want Lila to be our last guest. She's got a great song to play, and I know she's got to have some great comments to say about it. I don't have a song. Don't you? Didn't you send me a TikTok of some Italian lady? Oh, okay. doing her George Michael's okay, impression. That works. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I thought you meant I was going to sing, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'd no, like to I'm hear not. you. I'm not. Oh, okay. Hey, Landon. Landon. Landon, your your beard and mustache are looking especially ready this evening. Yeah, they're a little reddish, uh, kind of like the uh, the young Santa Claus and Santa Claus comes to town. That's the that's the look I'm going for. <laughs> Very good. Yes, I think you succeeded. Well, there we go. I'm well, Mr. Yeah. Heat Miser. I'm Mr. Snow. <laughs> I just wanted to, I wanted to say how much I appreciate you uh, inviting me on the show, even though I got here a little late. Uh, but I, I just wanted to, to call in and, and for those of you uh, who, this, who might be alone or this might be their first Christmas alone, uh, I wanted to especially address those people. Uh, it's been just uh, a year. Uh, it was just after Christmas last year that uh, my wife and I separated after 32 years of marriage. And uh, so this year has been a little bit of a, uh, of a ride. And this is my first Christmas alone. Uh, and so I just want to, I, as any divorce, anyone who's been through a divorce uh, knows there can be some family dynamics that get injured from that. And so this year, as I was thinking about what was, what would I say to my children is this is my first, uh, first time at this alone. Uh, I decided I'd write them a letter. I found this online. I made some changes that were specific to mine. Uh, my situation, uh, but I just wanted to read this letter, and uh, and I think those of you who have just recently been divorced that uh, you might uh, understand this. I said, guys, I know you're probably thinking about Christmas and wondering what you should get me, so I just wanted to take a minute and let you know what I want for Christmas. I want you to keep coming around. I want you to ask me questions. Ask my advice. Tell me your problems. Ask for my opinion. Ask for my help. I want you to come over and rant about your problems, rant about life, whatever. Tell me about your job, 
your worries, your classes. I want you to continue sharing your life with me. Come over and laugh with me or laugh at me. I don't care. Hearing you laugh is music to me. I want you to support me and what makes me happy while we work on making each other happy. I want you to spend your money making a better life for you and your children. I have the things I need. Spend your money on you. I want to see you happy and healthy. If you know, if you want to know what I want for Christmas, all I want for Christmas is a little piece of each of you throughout the year. Love, Dad. So for all of those who this is your first Christmas or uh, those who are uh, who are with family and friends and this podcast season that we've had our last year has been wonderful for me to give me purpose as a, and, and direction as I've gone through this. All the great friends I've made over the last year doing this. I just want to say Merry Christmas and thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Landon. That was fantastic. I really appreciate those comments and I wish you the very best and a Merry Christmas. I'm glad you can join us tonight because as long as we're around, pal, you never have to be lonely. Well, thank you. Love it. Thank you, Landon. Merry Christmas. And now guess who's joining us? Along with Lila, we have Denver Snuffer joining us. Is that Denver there? Yes, it's sir. a little bit fuzzy. It looks like someone could be doing a Denver Snuffer impersonation. <laughs> but it is the real Denver yeah, Snuffer? I'm here. Oh, please be seated. I am. Can you hear me? I <laughs> yeah, can hear you. Yes. Right. Oh, my gosh. You're walking through the house. I'm not sure the video is supporting that. Around. If I can get a less fuzzy... Uh, I think that's that's a better with the light at least. Yeah, that looks great. Um, I tell you what, so we're gonna have Lila go next, and if you want to find any other place that you think's better, that's fine or that that's good too. Okay. Don't go anywhere though. I just wander about. All right. Lila Tuller. Yes. You're looking quite festive this evening. Thank you. This is my elf hat. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm ready to go. All right. Okay, Bill. Yes. Hit you want button. to put it up on the screen? Okay. Okay, you ready? Yes, this is this is the just play it. Okay. <laughs> Last Christmas I gave you my heart and you gave me stay, you gave me sweet. Is it a song from me? I need you special. Last Christmas. <laughs> uh, I love and her. And that's your mother, is that right, Lila? Yes, my mother. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't know this woman, but I I ran across her video and I just couldn't quite I couldn't stop laughing. So I thought about it. Um, that has over a million views. Yeah, I mean she's viral. Um, I don't think that what she thinks happened last Christmas is what actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid. But I do remember last Christmas and uh, quite vividly. And I would like to tell you briefly about that. My last Christmas. About a week before Christmas, my beautiful little two-year-old granddaughter, Lucy, was admitted into Primary Children's Hospital in Salt Lake City. She had, I'm gonna read this because I wrote it because I don't wanna skip anything. She had been diagnosed with a kidney disease for which there is no cure called nephrotic syndrome. Uh, a few months before, my daughter, who is Lucy's mother, had been noticing that Lucy began to fill with fluid. Uh, her appearance had changed dramatically, 
And at first the doctors didn't know what it was. Uh, so my daughter frantically began doing research on her own and uh, presented the doctor with the possibility of nephrotic syndrome, which she had found on, on the internet. Um, they ran the tests and sure enough, that's what Lucy has. She was put on a steroid immediately, um, but her condition uh, worsened until, as I mentioned, she was admitted to primary children's. Now imagine a normal sized two-year-old with 15 to 20 pounds of fluid now trapped inside her. Um, her eyes looked like balloons. They were just like this, just bulging. Um, she couldn't open them at all. Uh, her, her body, all of her tissues were full of water. Um, she couldn't see anything. And I spent every spare minute that I could after work at that hospital to be there with her, to support her and my daughter and, and her husband. Um, now I had spent a great deal of time with Lucy since her birth. I was her grandma Yaya and we were very close. And when I would come into the room at the hospital, she would ask who was there since she couldn't see. And I would say, tell her it's Grandma Lila, and she would reach out her arms towards my voice and cry, come sit by me. And then she would hold my arm to know that I was there and would not let me leave her side. Um, I can't tell you, there's no words to explain the worry and the fear I felt that, and her parents felt and she felt con concerning her condition. The nurses tried so hard to be her friend, but she didn't trust them. They had to draw her blood every four hours, which became a terrifying experience for this little girl. And it broke my heart to watch this and hear her beg, please don't poke me over and over. Lucy spent two weeks at Primary Children's. We didn't tell her it was Christmas. She didn't want to spend it in the hospital. She was on a heavy cocktail of prednisone and tacrolimus to supp suppress her immune system and a heavy diuretic to try to expel the fluids. Her abdomen was so distended that she looked like she was nine months pregnant and her face was completely unrecognizable as the precious little Lucy I had become so close to. I haven't included photos of this to protect her privacy, but her condition was dire. Her diet was also restricted, as was her fluid intake, and all Lucy wanted to do was go home. Slowly but surely, at about two weeks, her condition began to improve. She was losing the fluids, and her body began to normalize thanks to the amazing efforts of the team of nephrotic syndrome specialists and the nurses at Primary Children's Hospital. She was released to go home on New Year's Day. They celebrated Christmas for Lucy on that day. Lucy has been in remission for the entire year of 2023 and will spend this Christmas at home with her new baby sister. And that means this Christmas is the best one ever. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much, Lila. That's the a beautiful story. To show, I think this. Yes. Lucy. You see those there? I can I can add those to the. There, there she is. That's my little Lucy. That's how she looks now, in, in remission, and she's doing really well. 
And I'm so glad for that. That's a Christmas miracle for me this year. Yeah. Lila, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you're safe. Stay safe and Merry Christmas, okay? Christmas to everyone. All right. Bye-bye. And then there was one. I'll take this uh, off the screen here. The cheese stands alone. Denver Snuffer. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm not sure I understood the mechanics of how to get in here. And so I, I think I was here available, but hadn't quite made it to you folks. So I got to hear this show. It was very nice. Oh, really? Okay. So um, you Can didn't you hear the part that Cheryl Bruno did with her poem. You didn't hear Cheryl Bruno, did you? Can, can you, you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I'm here. Can you okay. hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. You're giving you. me motion sickness, man. I'm are. about to hurl. <laughs> hey, I, I think this is a wonderful thing you did. When you told me about your plan for this, uh, I think you're a more charitable fellow than we ever thought. Well, don't let it get around, okay? I got a reputation to uphold. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. I am hearing you. Are you hearing Hello? me? Hello? Okay. Yeah. Look, I think if you can give someone their Christmas wish and it doesn't take much from you, that you ought to do it. So for Cheryl Bruno, Joseph was clear as a rose. And this is Denver Snuffers coming in glory. I can see you. I can. I can see Bill nod. You look rather frozen. Of course, very, very often. Yeah, you, you, you look frozen. Well, I'm in the I in the presence John of greatness. Right. Oh yeah. I, I, I try and remain still right because I understand that your your sense of sight isn't pretty that pretty good, and if I remain still, you might not see me. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think there is a need for community. Yeah. Yes. Hello. So what what is what is your your Christmas message for us tonight, Denver? We um we have a family tradition of doing sub for Santa. The extended family gathers together. We go to Walmart or Target or someplace to buy the things that the the list includes. And then on Christmas Eve, which was this evening, we gather together as an extended family, wrap the presents, and then take out and deliver them. A few years ago, uh, we had a family that turned out to be uh, Hawaiian natives who were here in Utah. We wrapped the presents, we took it over, we delivered them. And the mother would not let us leave without first giving back to us a quilt that she had made that included um, traditional Hawaiian symbols and pictures. And uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't expect to get a gift. We expected only to deliver gifts. And I have to tell you that that, that that quilt, which literally came from the heart, meant more to me on that, uh, on that Christmas than anything that, that we got subsequently. And we've held that as a prize since then. Um, there are, we allow religion to create 
divisions between us. I wish that we would focus our religion internally and just let other people enjoy our patience, our kindness, and, and do for them anything we can to help one another. To use religion as basis to judge and dismiss and belittle, um, it's like Lundwall was saying, all of our lives are slightly out of focus. I mean, none of us are, are really all that together. And so what's our basis for belittling or looking down or fighting with someone else because of their religious views? Thank you for doing this this show, guys. It's a good thing you did. Hey, amen to everything you've said there, Denver. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on this Christmas Eve, this most hallowed time of the year, at least in my opinion. So thank you so much. You bet. Merry Christmas. Take care. Merry Christmas to you. Bill? Yes, sir. What uh, What a cavalcade of stars. Down to two. And one thing I noticed is that uh, you haven't spoken yet. Well, no, I haven't because, you know, I'm the one trying to herd cats in this thing, baby. Yeah. But we've had, let me see here, if I can just go over it. Dan Vogel, Steve Pinecker, John DeLynn, Sean McCraney, Thomas Murphy, Summer Rain, Barrett, that's Summer Rain Barrett, Cheryl Bruno, Colby Reddish, and Cammie Reddish, Denver Snuffer, John Lundwall, <laughs> Jim Bennett, Natasha Helfer, Lila Tula, Martine Derrick, Ben McKay, Randy Bell, Rebecca Biblioteca. Oh, my gosh. It's like the All-Star team showed up tonight. Yeah, it, it was quite incredible. And I'll tell you, everybody brought a different flavor. It made for... Uh, sort of an inspiring variety act of sorts. Like everybody got a chance to say something from their point of view and uh, share a story or a poem or sing a song. And uh, it really came together beautifully. And I'm really grateful that you put this together. And uh, if I can say it this way, I'm quite proud of you. Well, thank you. I'll try and take that in a non-patronizing sort of way. No, 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 not patronizing. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it. I take it in the way it was meant yeah. is what I mean. Uh, did did you have a poem that you wanted to share with the audience, I, Mr. I would like, yeah, I would like to read one. And so uh, I guess without uh, further ado, I'll do that. Let me change something up here. In the stillness of the winter night, a tale unfolds in soft moonlight. For those who've walked a path unknown, ex-Mormons feeling all alone. Through faith's crisis, a journey taken, history's hidden, truth's forsaken, a sense of loss, of deep despair, betrayal lingers in the air. Loneliness wraps its silent shroud in the absence of the faithful crowd. Yet in the shadows, strength persists, a Christmas spirit that insists. For in the quiet, there's a space to find new joy, a warm embrace, no longer bound by rigid tree, I'm sorry, by rigid ties, a chance for growth for free to rise, marginalized, but not defeated. In solitude, new paths are greeted. The beauty of Christmas still shines through in every dawn and skies so blue. The lights that twinkle in the trees reflect resilience, a strength with ease. For those who faced a faith's divide, in newfound freedom, hope resides. So let the carols touch your soul in melodies that make you whole. A Christmas spirit 
pure and true, belong to all, including you. No matter where the journey leads, the Christmas love, it still exceeds the boundaries of faith now gone, a brighter path, a hopeful dawn. For in the quiet, hear the call of newfound joy, embracing all, ex-Mormons, in the winter's grace, your story echoes, finds its place. It was absolutely beautiful, Bill. Thank you. Did you write that? I I did not. I had a little bit of help from ChatGPT, and I'll tell you what I did. I loved using this technology. I told it all the things I wanted it to accomplish. I said, I want you to uh, write this from the perspective of somebody who's lost their faith. It's dealing in the Christmas time. There are people who feel alone, uh, who are dealing with a faith crisis, who, um, and, and I, lay, I, I named like 15 other things. And I said, write me a beautiful poem. And AI does this beautiful thing where it really does have uh, more intelligence than you and me put together. And it has the ability to sort of understand what it's trying to get at and to do it in such a way that I think most people could feel the humanity behind those words. Anyway, not me. Well, thank you very much for sharing it and creating it because you were the the heart behind it, I think. Yeah, I liked it. I, I had to write four or five and they all were beautiful, but that was the one I liked the most. Well, I just want you to know that uh, we're wrapping up here. Of all the people who were scheduled to show up, everybody was able to make it except for one, and that was David Bakavoy. I had texted him a little bit ago asking, are you going to be able to join us? He said... He had uh, texted me back just a, a few minutes ago saying, sorry, I got stuck in prison. He does a, he teaches in prison, as I think a lot of people know. I'm glad and so, finished. Yeah. yeah. So, so I texted it back. I've heard that one before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I got stuck in prison. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Dave, because I know he would have been here. And I wanted to add that so that he could be here, at least in spirit. So thank you so much. Thank you, all of you. We've been up to around 350 people watching the show. Thank you for joining us on this Christmas Eve. Thank you for letting us share part of your Christmas Eve with you. I want to wish you the very happiest of Christmases and the best new year ever. Thanks again.